1: Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello
3: and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and I'm Holly Fry. I feel like we just start saying hello and happy Friday. I don't remember how we kick off these episodes now anymore, even though we've been recording them for a million years. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, one's
0: brain dips a little.
3: (laughs) It's like how when we're doing the thing at the end of the episode about uh, where to find us. Sometimes I will just go, what is our email address? I don't even know. Uh, (laughs) So this week we had this accidental two-parter on Irving Berlin, who I had kind of thought about as, like, sort of a like a low-key Christmassy episode for December because of the song White Christmas and the movie White Christmas. And then it blossomed into two parts that uh, could no longer happen before Christmas, happened after Christmas, but not really about Christmas much at all. <laughs> um, and uh, I do, though, want to talk about the movie white Christmas because as we said in the episode uh it has it's a movie that has aged beautifully and terribly at the same time um mm-hmm. like there's uh just there are so many performances in it that are delightful and songs that are delightful and also the whole movie is really about a man who feels old and sad and useless and everyone stops what they are doing to try to make him feel better right um there's some age differences in the couples that people find a little jarring today and then there's also that song that sort of celebrates how much they love menstrual shows i really don't know how much influence irving berlin had over the plot of the movie um i did not go look into that but realizing how soon that was to like his career winding down and Mm -hmm. how he felt about it, I now kind of see it in light of that, of, like, uh, how how much of this character was, like, sort of a reflection of Irving Berlin, wondering how how many years as an entertainer and a songwriter he had left.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I had not known before this the context of Christmas being a difficult time for him. Mm -hmm. But I have always been the person who was like, the song White Christmas is not a happy song. It, yeah, like there are
3: arrangements of it that are really peppy, but like it can sound wistful and nostalgic and just sad, like heartbreaking.
0: It's always sounded sad to me since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. it all I always conjured this image of somebody like trapped somewhere where they couldn't get to anyone they wanted to see, mm-hmm. and so now I'm like, oh maybe, maybe that's actually kind of how the song is. It's not just your weird little Gothic child read of it, yeah <laughs> i um had a very funny moment when we were talking in the first part of this one about. Wax cylinders. Oh, yeah. And the idea of a performer having to perform it over and over as they recorded one offs, and how much, like today and for a long time, right, since mass production has been a thing, like part of what people know in learning of songs are like the unique breaths and phrases of a given performer like when Mm -hmm. they sing it or whatever Mm -hmm. and how that's one of the things you notice when you go to a live show that they do it slightly differently and imagine if everybody had a different sound memory in their head of what it was supposed to sound like and it's just a fascinating thing to me that there would never be one definitive version of any given song so any changes within performances would have completely shifted it. Yeah, the internet would lose its mind if that were the case. It'd be like, well, mine, he breathes before the the. Like, I just can't. It's so fascinating.
3: Yeah. I didn't realize until working on this, like, what sheet music, like, I took piano lessons as a kid. I had sheet music for things, but, like, to me, the sheet music for whatever was the thing purchased to learn to play the song for my piano recital or whatever. The idea that, like, there would be effort put into, like, a very nicely illustrated cover that was also, like, a marketing effort for other sheet music, and that in addition to people buying the sheet music so they could learn to play a thing on the piano, that they would sort of be collecting sheet music as these attractive things to have in their home. Like, that was not really a thing that had ever Mm. entered into my mind until
0: working all on this. I kind of had a sense of that because I remember... um... When I was younger, when I was in my teens and early 20s, I did more of this than I have in later years. But I used to often go to flea markets and just like, and there were instances where I would see sheet musics grouped together in collections. And like, I remember mm-hmm. talking to a couple of vendors who specifically did have a lot of sheet music. Remember, this is late 80s, early 90s. Um Where they were they were talking about how, oh, some people like to collect, you know, all of the pieces from this publisher from this year to this year. And so Mm -hmm. I had a little bit more of a sense of it, but I didn't think about it being marketed for people to collect, if you know what I mean. Yeah. People often collect things that are not intended to be collector's items. Sure. But these kind of were actually designed that way from the top.
3: Yeah. One of the things I knew I wanted to include in these episodes from the beginning was the argument not really argument was woody guthrie's response to god bless america like as i was taking my very first notes before i had even gone and gotten any research about this particular aspect of it i just had in written in there like and the woody guthrie dispute uh, (laughs) um because man it's first of all i just the general having a dispute between two songwriters over music, like, that in general is like, okay, I, I'm into that idea. Uh, but also the fact that so many of Woody Guthrie's criticisms of the song, like, just don't hold up... Uh, to his response? <laughs> to his response yeah. in terms of writing This Land is Your Land, especially today, especially in the, like, having today's context of things like the Land Back movement, uh... You know, like, it, like that adds a whole new layer right. onto what already, even without that movement that's existing now today, like, already we like, like I said in the episode, talking about a white man from Oklahoma writing about this land is my land. Like, it's just a little, a little weird, yeah. weird choice to have that be your song response.
2: Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. There's a whole lot
3: of Irving Berlin's, like, work and career and impact that I just feel like is just such a mess. Um <laughs> And like so many things at the same time, like he really does seem to have understood and valued the musical contributions of black performers, and t- tried to like f- fight for black performers he was working with to be respected and that kind of. But then like also, we gotta do blackface. We gotta yeah. that whole argument. I was like, as I the. I found an article that was just about that. And I was like, yikes. Like, this is full of yikes, so much yikes. But, but then just also, you know, uh, casually including stuff that was stereotypical or bigoted or whatever in songs that he was trying to like. There's just a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, um, even songs that like I like putting on the ritz to me is a brilliant song. Like, it's got just wonderful lyrics, in my opinion. But also, like, that is a song that he wrote about, uh, like, poor Black people in Harlem getting dressed up right, to, like, go out on the town in a way that, like, isn't necessarily read in a flattering way when you read the
0: lyrics. Yeah. But
3: the lyrics themselves are... Incredible in my opinion. And also anytime I watch uh Young Frankenstein. That's
0: exactly what I was thinking.
3: Yeah. I yeah. Um, uh, that was another thing I stopped what I was doing to watch <laughs> while I was trying to write this. How many YouTube videos? My whole YouTube algorithm is like now just all skewed because it's full of all kinds of renditions of Herving Berlin
0: songs. <laughs> I mean, Peter Boyle forever. Um, So funny. I once again will say, boy, I sure wish I could get up at noon and go to bed at five. That would be just about right for me. Yeah,
3: I, uh, in in many recent years, I have been a go to sleep fairly early, wake up sometime between six, and seven. Like, not even on purpose. That's just, like, what my body is doing.
0: Now, when you say, go to bed early, what does that mean for you? Because that means very different things for different people. It means ten. I'm usually in bed by ten. Maybe ten,
3: thirty. D&D night, it has to be ten, thirty, because that's when D&D ends, and sometimes the last thirty minutes of D&D are very hard for me. But, when I was younger for a while I was working in a spa and I was working a shift that went from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. and I grad I like sh- gradually got into this rhythm where um like I would get off of work and treat the rest of my day as it had been if I had gotten off of work at 5 yeah. like my evening was starting at 9 and then I would sleep really late and then I would get up and go to start my 2 p.m. shift again um And so, yeah, I like, that, his, like, 5 a.m. Oh, perfect.
0: Perfect. Like,
3: that is a little too far for me, but I can, I can, I've had periods of my life when I've been a little bit more of a nighttime person, and I can, like, at least somewhat see it working.
0: Always. Even, uh, I know it's a terrible habit, but even, like, if... Uh, we have like a chunk of time off like around the holidays or whatever where there's no obligations for several days within three days Brian and I are on that schedule like we Mm -hmm. both just tend to want to like wake up at 11 or 12 have the afternoon and nighttime and then go to bed as the sun is coming up I don't know why we divert automatically to vampire hours but we both do thankfully I feel like I should confess that the mere mention of Ethel Merman's name made me cry in this episode yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Me either, happen. really. I read it and was like, oh, I love Ethel Merman, And then we talked about her and I just started bawling. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Irving Berlin, clearly loved to write songs for her. But if you've never seen Ethel Merman sing Everything's Coming Up Roses, it's very easy to do. Just check out YouTube. And she's amazing. I also highly recommend that Jean Stapleton appearance on The Muppet Show is also very easy to find online. And it is lovely. Yeah. It's so sweet. So sweet. Mm -hmm. Ethel. 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 And, you know, clearly I like the um, very brash singers of that era. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like none of the lilting, sweet-voiced singers. I want, like, I want Ethel Merman forever. B. Arthur (laughs) got mentioned in this episode. It's like my dream episode. Yeah. The list of people,
3: like, that was not even a complete list of all the people that performed in the in the 100th birthday tribute concert. But, at like, I kept finding, I was like, gotta put this person in there. Gotta put Jerry Orbach in there. Oh. Gotta put, yeah, so many.
0: I know, I definitely had a sad as you read that list because so many of them are gone.
3: Yeah. With only yeah. a
0: few exceptions. I was like, oh.
3: Yeah, well, and that's, like, one of the, like, living to be 101 years old, like, at that point, pretty much everybody that he had, you know, a long working relationship with had... Mm-hmm. Died before he did. He, he, by the time he died, he had this reputation for being just kind of reclusive and cantankerous isn't quite the right word, like not very personable in his last years. And after his death, one of his daughters, like, got really frustrated with what people's perceptions of her father had become and wrote a really, uh, I have not read it, but it's described as like a very lovely and tender um memoir about how like totally acknowledging that her father worked all the time but that also <laughs> the like late years reclusiveness um uh, like that just w- that wasn't his whole personality and that wasn't how people who knew and worked with him necessarily would have remembered him so yeah that's out there too if folks want to want to read it um one of the many <laughs> there's a long source list for this episode um, and one of the uh, the many sources in that source list is the book um, that uh, I mentioned. Uh, I think we quoted from it briefly in the episode, and that was by James Kaplan called Irving Berlin, New York Genius. Um, that is from Yale University Press. But in my opinion, it is really accessible to like non-academic readers. I know sometimes stuff that comes out from university presses can be a little dense. I did not find it to be so at all. There were some times where I sort of felt like if I were Jewish, I would have gotten some nuance that I was not (laughs) getting in the way something was described. Um, But other than that, like, I found it to be a really uh, lovely and accessible work on him um, if folks are interested in more. (sighs) Yeah. Happy Friday. Uh, Based on when this is coming out, tomorrow is going to be New Year's Eve. And so... We will have Saturday Classic tomorrow, and I hope whatever's going on for folks New Year's Eve, I hope it's great. I've been in jobs where I had to work with the public on New Year's Eve, and I remember that often being a challenging thing. Oh, yeah. So, whatever's up with you tomorrow, I hope it's great. If you're going to a party, hope it's great. If you're staying home, hope it's great. If you have to work tomorrow, I hope that's great. Whatever's happening. Uh, We'll be back with Saturday Classic tomorrow with something brand new on Monday. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.